open our hearts together in prayer. God, this day we are grateful for your kingdom. And that your kingdom transcends this life. That your kingdom transcends death. That your kingdom is forever and ever. We remember before you today the loved ones that, that we still miss but who are celebrating in your very presence. We give you thanks for that assurance and, and pray that you would do two things for us. That you would continue to sustain us and build us up in the Christian faith until that day that we too walk no longer by faith but by sight. And that you also use us individually and corporately to share the hope, to share the, the promise, to share the kingdom with others that they too might be part of that eternal celebration coming in from north, south, east, and west into your glory. We pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you have a happy place? A place that when you're there, you're, you're filled with joy and peace and serenity? Here's a picture of a little girl in her happy place. That's my kind of happy place. How about you sitting on the end of a dock with your feet dangling in the water? Where is yours? Where's your happy place? Where's that place that, that you go and, and it's just all good, all right, and you're safe? For some, maybe your happy place is your family. That's a good happy place, right? You say, we're all here. Mom and dad, junior, sis, grandma, grandpa, you know, those. You say, we're just all together. And, and you sit back and it's, you say, ah, maybe that's your happy place, your family. That's a good thing. You know, for some people, the happy place is a bottle. That's not such a good happy place. It's destructive. What's your happy place? For some people, uh, a happy place would be sports. And you say, whether you're watching a game or playing a game, and you say, man, this is my element. I just feel so alive. When I'm here, it's, it's, it feels right. That's not a bad happy place. What's your happy place? You know, they say about Disneyland or Disney World, the happiest place in the world. What's your happy place? I hope this is a happy place for you. You know, here in, in the sanctuary, I like the word sanctuary. There's a picture of, uh, of the new Christ campus downtown, the sanctuary there, picture of our sanctuary here outside. I, I hope that that's a happy place for you, that when you come here, you have a sense of peace, of serenity, of hope, of joy. You're able to say, ah, I fit, I belong. You know, that's one of the reasons, not the first reason by any stretch of the imagination, but that's one of the reasons that we want to uh, maintain the Christ campus because we need a happy place for people, whether it's in the city, whether it's out here, as Pastor Johannes likes to say, out here in the country. <laughs> I hope the sanctuary, I hope this place is a happy place for you. In the gospel lesson this morning, uh, we're going to think about the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus invites us into His happy place. 
The Sermon on the Mount is a description about God's kingdom in Christ Jesus. It's a description of his happy place, uh, his kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel according to Matthew comes near the beginning of the Gospel. It's not necessarily near the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Matthew doesn't have everything in chronological order. There already were these disciples, the followers of Jesus had already become very numerous. And so he went up on a hill, went up on a mountain. There was a whole crowd around him to listen. And then he explained to them in the Sermon on the Mount the nature of his happy place. He wasn't giving a lot of new laws. Sometimes people say that the Sermon on the Mount is is, uh, a message from a new lawgiver with new and harsher laws where he says, uh, you have heard that it was said you shall not murder. I tell you, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. He said, "Uh, you've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. He said, I tell you, anyone who lusts after a woman looking on her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This is not about new and harsher laws that Jesus is giving. Rather, he's giving us a picture of an alternate reality, an alternative reality. It's his kingdom. And he invites us into this happy place. Uh, It's a new, it's a renewed reality. What he wanted for us all along. It's a reality where there really are no worries. He says, come. In my happy place, you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat or drink. Just come. Trust. No fears. In, in my happy place, you don't have to worry about your life, what people might do to you, because we don't hate, we don't hurt, we don't kill. He says, come to the happy place here. Sexual purity. We don't objectify women in this place, in this happy place. He says, come to the happy place. Here, a yes is a yes, and a no is a no, and you can trust what people say one to another. He invites us into his happy place where God himself is glorified and people are blessed. And he uses the word to describe this kingdom as blessed. Uh, This section that we're looking at today is sometimes called the Beatitudes. And there are all these statements about blessing. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he goes through and he says, blessed, blessed, blessed. And, And that's not the most helpful word in the world, is it? Blessed. What is that? Blessed. The Greek word for this is makarios. And the word blessed isn't much more helpful than the Greek word because, well, we don't even use, blessed, what does that even mean? We almost never use the word unless somebody sneezes and then we say, well, bless you. What does the word blessed mean? We don't even know how to pronounce it. Is it blessed or is it blessed, right? So I've heard it both ways. Uh, maybe we'd say blessed is the past tense of bless, and blessed is more the adjective form of it. What does it mean, blessed? We could look at the words that Jesus doesn't use to describe the kingdom instead of the one he does. You know, he doesn't use these words. Worried, fearful, arrogant, confused, hurt, hurting, smug, Whatever the kingdom is, it isn't those things. He doesn't use the word woe. You know, woe is really the opposite of blessed. You know, woe is woe. 
That's a bad thing. Uh, later on in the gospel, according to Matthew, he has a whole list of these, a whole list of woes. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And he lists all these harmful, terrible things. Whatever blessed it is, is kind of the opposite of woe. What does it mean, blessed? Some of the translations use the word happy. And that's not bad. It's not that good, but it's not bad. <laughs> it's not strong enough. You know, happy is just... The problem with the word happy is it tends to depend on what's happening. And so if something bad is happening, well, okay, I'm happy. But if, or if something good is happening, well, then I'm happy. But if something's bad is happening, I'm, I'm not happy. And happiness is kind of like this. And, and Jesus has something far more in mind than that. Perhaps what we could say is, is uh, what this means is intrepidly happy. You like that word, intrepid? Intrepidly happy. Intrepid means you're not alarmed. Intrepid means fearless. Intrepid means unafraid, undaunted, unflinching, un unshrinking, bold, daring, gallant, audacious, adventurous, heroic, dynamic, spirited, indomitable. That's what Jesus is inviting us into. Fearless, indomitable, undaunted, and intrepid happiness that continues no matter what. And he invites us into that and gives it to us freely. It's like going to Disney World not having to pay for it. Jesus comes to us today and, and shares this with us. It's like uh, when we hear this word over and over and over, it should be like the sound of church bells pealing. You know, they do two different things with church bells. One of the things that you do with church bells is you toll the bell and you just ring it Slowly, it goes bong, bong. And you do that when something bad has happened, someone's died. But the other thing you do with church bells is you ring them like, like mad, and you just peel them. That's called peeling the church bells. And you do that when something good has happened, when it's Easter, when somebody's getting married, and you just peel the church bells. And that's what Jesus is doing as he announces his kingdom to us. He's peeling his church bells, saying, blessed, blessed, blessed. And he invites you and me to be a part of it. Now, as, as we understand this passage, and I want to go through each of these very briefly, I don't want you to think that, that there is some kind of a quid pro quo going on with the kingdom of God. Jesus is not saying, if you do this, then you will be blessed, or that God will bless you if you do this. What he's, what he's describing instead is, is a condition that transcends what it is we might do. It, it, it's a condition that is the very nature of the kingdom anyways. What you might say is that through each of these, he's saying, even if, you know, whatever this thing is that's going on, that you are in a happy place. It's a good place. And you will, and he announces some, some good thing. So that, so that he says, even if you are poor in spirit, and kind of downcast and, and empty, even if you are poor in spirit. He says, that's, that's the sweet spot in the kingdom. That's a happy place in the kingdom because you have the kingdom. He says, even if you mourn, it's not fun to mourn. It's not an enjoyable thing to mourn. But even if you mourn, even if you're crushed by some sad thing that happens, he says, that's okay. You're still in a, in a happy place because you're part of the kingdom. You will be comforted even if you are gentle. The world takes advantage of the gentle. Uh, the world mocks the gentle. Uh, but he says that's, that's where the kingdom is. 
Uh, even if you are gentle and it doesn't work out in the world, you're in a happy place. He says, you will inherit the earth, even if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Many of you are hungering and thirsting for righteousness as you read the news and what's going on around the world. And you say, wow, it's a mess out there. Why, don't, why doesn't somebody do something about it? Look at this murder and mayhem and this problem and some other problem. And why doesn't someone straighten it all out? And we hunger and we thirst for righteousness. And Jesus says, that's okay. That's still a happy place. He says, for you will have satisfaction. You know, there's this alternate reality, even though we see what's going on in the world. In the kingdom, it's okay. He says, even if you are merciful. It doesn't pay to be merciful. You know, but that's the nature of the kingdom. That's, that's when we're really in our, in our happy place. When we go the extra mile. When we give to those who ask of us. Uh, that that's how the kingdom operates. He says, you will receive mercy. He says, even if you are pure in heart. And again, the world mocks the pure in heart. Makes fun of the pure in heart. Uh, you don't get ahead if you're the pure in heart. But he says, no, that's where the kingdom is. That's where our happy place is. He says, you will be called sons of God. Even if you are persecuted, many of you are worried about that. We have an election coming up, and I know a lot of people are very anxious about the election. And you're worried, well, if so-and-so or if so-and-so gets elected, then we're going to have this problem and that problem. And you see persecution around the world, and you worry about persecution coming against us. And it might. But Jesus says, even then, because there's this alternate reality, you're still in a happy place. You have the kingdom of heaven. He says, even if you are insulted and persecuted and lied about, you're still okay. This is the kingdom. This is our sweet spot. We keep going in the midst of that. He says, that happens in the kingdom throughout the ages. What's new? Today, Jesus is welcoming you and me to his kingdom. And he says, here's the kingdom. Rejoice and be glad no matter what it is you face because you have a great reward in heaven. Don't worry if they get after you. They got after the prophets before you. Jesus' kingdom comes. His will will be done. Friends, Jesus came to rescue us and to provide for us a happy place. Now to do that, he had to go to a pretty unhappy place, the cross. That was an awful place. That was a terrible place. But he went. He went to the cross for you and for me intrepidly, undaunted, unshrinking, boldly and audaciously. Jesus went to the cross for you and for me and took our guilt away, took our sin away, and made peace between you and me and the Heavenly Father and has opened up his kingdom to us. Uh, in one of the Bible studies this fall, we've been studying the, the fall of... Um, of Judah and the sack of Jerusalem. And it was terrible. It was a terrible thing that happened to Jerusalem at the hand of the Babylonians. They came in and they burned the place down. They took off all, or took out all of the good things from the temple. They knocked down all of the blocks. Uh, they utterly destroyed, defaced the holy city. And then they carted all of the people off to captivity for 70 years. And there they were, stuck in Babylon for 70 years. But as Jeremiah and other prophets prophesied, there'd come a day that they'd come back. That they'd be lifted up and that the city would be restored. 
And as Jeremiah was lamenting about that, he was pointing ahead to to what God has done for us in Jesus Christ to establish the kingdom. Jesus, you know, Jesus was the true Jerusalem, the true temple. And they tore him down, they scorched him, they battered him, they bruised him, they crucified him, and they stuck him off, not in Babylon, but in a tomb, and they put a stone in front of it. But he was victorious because that's how the kingdom is. He rose again and he gives life and salvation to everyone and anyone who calls on his name. That's where our blessedness is in Jesus Christ. And no matter what else we face, no matter what else we experience, even if this, 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 and this, because we're in Jesus, it's a happy place. It's a sweet spot. And you will live and reign to all eternity. I want to build you up today by God's Word in your confidence in Jesus and encourage you in experiencing the happy place. You know, this is All Saints Day and we've got a new day for the life of our church. And there'd be three quick things I'd have you to jot down as we think about experiencing the happy place. And the first is this, that the saints in heaven enjoy it fully revealed. Your loved ones who are with Jesus are experiencing that alternate reality, but it's now fully revealed. There are no more tears. There is no more sorrow. Pain is gone, and they are at peace with God in his presence forever, and we celebrate that. Saints on earth still experience it by faith. There'll be a lot of days in your life that it seems like it's hidden. All this truth about God's kingdom and his power and his glory, it'll seem like it's hidden. But we still experience it by faith and continue to go. And no matter what we experience, we know that we are blessed as the people of God. And the work of the church then is to share this. To share this alternate reality. The church invites others to experience it. Listen to what Jesus said. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how will its saltiness be restored again? Salt gives, uh, 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 is there to give flavor. Salt is there to preserve. Salt is there to heal. That's what the church is for. He said, you are a light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The work of the church is to invite others to experience this alternate reality. Invite others into the kingdom of God. You know, some people think that the work of the church is to be like a vacuum cleaner. I got this from a friend a few weeks back. I think I shared it once already. You know, a lot of people think that's what the church is for, to vacuum up all of the dirt, to vacuum up all of the crud, and to clean up the world around us. That's not the work of the church at all. The work of the church is to be a light, like a flashlight, that we share the light of Jesus Christ, that it lights people's way to be with him, that they would see the kingdom and that they would come and be a part of the kingdom. And that helps to illustrate then exactly what it is we are doing is we become the new St. Luke Lutheran Church, one church in two locations. We're simply seeking to be a brighter light. How's that? <laughs> We're just ramping up the wattage. Seek to be a brighter light in a darkened world to announce to people God's kingdom is at hand. Amen.